The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the ninth chapter. John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him. For no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. This is the gospel of the Lord. As I said at the beginning of the service, um, this gospel reading this week, it follows right after. It's like in a sermon series, you might think of, like a Jesus sermon series. He's doing a, like he's trying to teach a nugget of information, which in this case is um, your notions of human greatness, they don't apply in the kingdom of God. It's different in the kingdom of God. And so he continues on with this teaching this week. Uh, If you can remember, last week in Mark chapter 9, Jesus actually lifts up a a child to end the argument. And he's like, hey, everyone, you should receive uh, me. You should receive one who is a child like a child who is helpless, who is uh, not useful in your ways, not powerful in your ways. You should uh, accept them for the sake of me, Jesus. This is how power is. This is who is greatest in my kingdom. And this was spurred on by the disciples arguing about who is going to take Jesus's place when Jesus died. Because Jesus, for the second time now, I said, I'm going to go and go to Jerusalem and suffer and die. And I can only imagine that it probably freaked out uh, the disciples. But now the disciples were pushing back against what Jesus had explained last week. They they actually say, Jesus, it's St. John actually says this. uh, Jesus, someone who isn't us is casting out demons in your name. You know, we tried to stop them, but, like, I think you have to stop them. Uh, They were upset that an outsider was doing all this cool stuff 
that Jesus had asked them specifically to do. Uh, Jesus, he, he has to try his best to try and reframe how they're thinking. Unfortunately, the disciples were again acting like those Israelites wandering in the desert. Uh, they were complaining against God. They were ungrateful for what they have now, what God was giving them. They were ungrateful for the one shepherding them and their teaching. But if you can remember in the Old Testament, which was read, when the Israelites complained and complained, God himself He came down and relieved the suffering, not of the people, but of Moses, who actually said, you know, these people are nagging me so much, asking for what they used to have and ungrateful for what you are giving them daily, Lord. They're so ungrateful, just kill me, right? Um, And so God comes down and he relieves the suffering of Moses, their shepherd, by sharing the Holy Spirit with the elders at the tent of meeting, even two that didn't show up to the meeting. I assume they probably thought that the meeting could have been done by email, uh, but regardless, Joshua was upset that those two didn't show up and they still got the spirit. The disciples were upset that these people were casting out demons in Jesus's name, but they weren't, you know, officially sanctioned disciples. This is a strange look into how God's kingdom works. We as Christians, we're, we're not to question how God deals out his grace. God will put his spirit on those on whom he chooses. He will continue to exercise demons in Jesus' name no matter what. Now, what does this look like? Well, Jesus taught a parable about it once, about everyone, no matter when they showed up to work, if they agreed, uh, or sorry, if the master agreed to pay them one denarii, then they all got one denarii. No matter if they worked 13 hours, 15 hours, 4 hours, 1 hour, the Lord pays out what he pays. But, hmm, what does it look like? It looks like, you know, someone coming to saving faith in Jesus Christ on their deathbed. Even if they lived an entire life as a sinful person, if they come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior on their deathbed, they are saved. If you are in prison for some heinous crime and you love Jesus, you believe in him and his sacrifice, For you, then you are saved no matter what people think of you. If you are on death row as a Nazi war criminal, you have killed innocent people as your job, if you come to Christ, you will be saved. Uh, No ifs, ands, or buts. Uh, The way I like to explain this one is you know, the pastor who's standing in the receiving line and someone comes up and says, Pastor, will we see the people that we love in heaven someday? And then Pastor has to say, yes, you will see the people that you love, but you'll also see the other ones too. Even the people that you don't love. If you can remember from the Song of Mary a few weeks ago when we did St. Mary's Day, uh, God 
likes to cast down the proud. He likes to cast down those in authority. He likes to lift up those that are meek, that are weak, that are useless, like, say, Jesus says, the child was. He teaches to do God's work that it can take impressive forms like casting out a demon. But doing God's work is also giving a glass of water. Hey, I finally have a, you know, prop comedy is here. Uh, Giving a glass of water to a Christian in need. But the inverse is also true, as Jesus says. Those who cause the weak in faith or the new in faith to stumble and fall away, they will be punished greatly by God on the last day. So interesting how Jesus teaches. Uh, You can find yourself doing this without even knowing it. Maybe you are entrusted to watch over a child to raise them to know Jesus and the teaching that you promise to do when you baptize them. And it just, it didn't happen. I don't know what happened. What happened? Maybe you're living your life and you have these bad habits. And you have this repeated sinful behavior that was a part of the old you before you were Christian. But no one challenges you with the scriptures, let alone yourself. And you continue to be a bad witness of what a Christian is to those that would otherwise be interested. Do you see what Jesus is doing here? Jesus is trying to shift the focus away from others, how others are, other people being saved, and point you back to yourself. Have I repented and believed on Jesus Christ? My own Christian life. Can I truly say, monkey see, monkey do? What are you willing to do to make sure that that barrier of sin between you and God doesn't keep you from God? Are you willing to? This is what Jesus is saying. Are you willing to cut off that hand? Are you willing to gouge out that eye and enter the world crippled, lame, blind, so that you can be near to Jesus Christ? To keep yourself from falling back into those usual bad habits that separate you from God. Jesus is saying, is focusing on other things, other things that aren't me or my word, says Jesus, is that keeping you from knowing and loving and believing in me, Jesus Christ? <laughs> I, I just, I keep returning to it because it's such a simple thing that all of us can fall prey to. You know, spending the time on the phone, the, the iPad, just the scrolling, the scrolling, the scrolling, and you check the clock and it's been like three hours. And then you say, no, I don't have the 10 to 15 minutes to read God's word. I don't know what happened. Maybe, I don't know, maybe we're just not as busy as we think we are because actually we're distracted. We're making other things higher in our heart than God should be. And I think this is where the suffering comes from. Does anyone here remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Yeah, this is probably like most people's favorite veggie tale, right? Because there's the chocolate bunny, and there's the big cucumber, 
that is King Nebuchadnezzar, and they ask Ragshak, Meshach, and Abednego, I think he's called Benny, he says, hey, you have to bow down before this giant chocolate bunny. Well, in the book of Daniel, this is where it comes from. King Nebuchadnezzar has taken all of the Israelites, all of the Hebrews, out of the promised land, away from their temple, and has taken them into uh, exile in Babylon, otherwise known as the Babylonian exile. Uh, so the Hebrews were, were upset. They said, are we no longer blessed by God? How can we pray at our temple and do our temple worship? Is, has God abandoned us? Well, what we learn from Rakshak, Meshach, and Abednego is that God has not abandoned. He is merciful, compassionate, uh, slow to anger, and steadfast in his love. King Nebuchadnezzar has asked all of the Hebrews, you must, to continue living, literally, I will kill you, unless you bow down before the statue. And so this, the three, they, they boldly tell their king, if this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from that burning, fiery furnace that you're going to throw us into. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. The king didn't like that, so he did as he promised. He threw them into the fire. As you can see, nothing could come between Rakshak, Meshach, and Abednego and their god and worshiping him. But Nebuchadnezzar looks into the fire and he sees not only them, but there's a fourth one. And he says, there's a fourth one like a son of man. Jesus came down to Rakshak, Meshach, and Abednego. Shadrach, I'm confusing the names. Jesus came down to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to preserve them, to defend them in their faith. They held on to the Lord in their faith, and so God made good and came down, was gracious, merciful, and preserved them. God came down to Moses to help him bear the, the, the suffering of the stubbornness of his people. God came down to be with us. He became incarnate. That's what it means to take on flesh. He became like you or I. To endure the suffering of all these people. To endure your suffering. To be tempted with the same sins that you're tempted with. To not do them. To know and love people. To cry with them. To cry for them. To take on their woes, their hurt. And to die for you. And so, James urges us today, in the longest epistle lesson yet, to endure our suffering with patience, knowing that Jesus will return at any moment and deliver us, whether it be in the moment that you're suffering or on the last day. James urges us to look to those saints who endured steadfast despite suffering in the past so that we can see the compassion and the mercy of our God. 
the compassion and mercy when God didn't forget Rakshak, Meshach, and Abed- Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The Hebrews, the disciples, you Christians, Jesus came down, God, for you, suffered for you, died and rose again for you. And this is why, after communion, I bless you by saying the words, that Christ's body and blood preserve you steadfast in the one true faith to a life everlasting. I bless you with these words because I know you are suffering. I know you're enduring pain right now. And so I give you Christ in this true communion to have strength after you confess. Remember Christ, who was obedient to the will of his Father, even to death despite suffering. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were thrown into a fiery furnace in order to worship and trust God alone. Jesus tells us that we as Christians will be salted. I don't, it was like, it was a surprise to see this in the gospel reading today. You know, it sounds like, you know, why is Jesus so angry? Why is he talking about hell? Why is he saying we'll be, we will be salted with fire? We'll be tested with fire. Well, fire in Greek, it's poor. It's where we get purified, purification. This is the suffering, the difficulties that the Christian faces each day. The fire of God's word burns it away, those, the old bad habits, the sinful desires. The salt purifies us. It preserves us like beef jerky. Yeah, suffering helps Christians. We imagine ourselves sharing in Christ's suffering, and it, it makes our own almost look doable for some reason. We look to the saints of the days before, to the saints alive now that endured suffering. Perhaps even how grandma fought off a daily battle against depression because and through Christian community, through daily devotion in God's word. Suffering causes us to cry out to God in prayer. It causes us to meditate on God's word, to fear, love, and trust God above all things. Right, confirmands? It's a cycle that repeats. It purifies, it cleanses, it preserves, it's salt, it's fire. Jesus tells us to have salt in ourselves and to live in peace with one another. And that's why James expands on it And he gives more clear instructions. He says, forgiveness is what heals. He says, confess to one another, pray for one another, forgive one another. Forgiveness heals and it comes only through confession to God, to one another, to pastor. I hope that you know that I myself am a sinner too in need of forgiveness. And each day I come before God and ask him for forgiveness And I receive his true forgiveness in Jesus' words. And I hope that you know that if you are struggling with sin in any way, that you can come and talk with me about it, and no one will ever hear about it. Being honest, it doesn't make you weak or stupid, you know, admitting you're wrong. What it does is make you humble. And humility is, as Jesus says, as James expands, the only way that we can live in peace with one another.
Because Jesus takes on your sinful behaviors, your sinful habits, and he nails them with him to the cross, and he dies, and it dies. The water of baptism, it burned away, it nailed to the cross, it purified all that was dead in you, and sustains the faith which God created there with Christ's resurrection. With continual devotion, continual worship, continual trust in God, he will deliver you from the fiery furnace of your everyday suffering. Amen.